Our theme today is about never being too young. So we, we engage with our inner child today, whatever age we are, whether we are naught all the way up to 90-something. We hopefully will allow ourselves to remember that inside every single one of us is still a little child. And so we're going to sing our opening hymn of praise together, number 514 in the hymn book, also appearing on the screen. Lord of our growing years, your grace surrounds us all our days. For all your gifts, we bring our praise. Please stand if you're able as we sing together. this morning is adapted from something I wrote uh, two or three years ago, but it seems to fit with today's theme. There are a few stereotypes in the prayer, uh, and they're not drawn necessarily or even exclusively or even extensively from Hillhead. These reflect my experiences in many churches in different times and places. And at the end of that prayer, I will invite you to join with me in the Lord's Prayer in whichever form or language is most natural for you. So let's pray together. We praise you, God, 
for babies, new lives full of hope, for cries of hunger and gurgles of delight. For toddlers who find it impossible to be still and whose stage-whispered comments bring us a smile. For preschool children who skip along the aisle and for early readers carefully following the words with a finger. For young hands raised eagerly to answer questions and for teenage giggles and scowls. For the demanding questions, huge expectations and enthusiasm of students and young adults. For those in their 30s and 40s, busy with families or careers, sometimes absent because of the demands of employment or just because they need a day off. For those in their middle years, whose certainty gives way to questioning, or who yearn for the good old days when the church was full, finding themselves surprised by their own reluctance to change. For grandparents caring for children, and for the healthy, younger retireds able to enjoy holidays. For the older people who sometimes sleep through the sermons, observe that they cannot hear the preacher, and who live with aches and pains. We praise you, God, for the days when we weep with those who weep, for it means that there is love in our church. We praise you, God, when we rejoice with those who rejoice, for it means there is joy in our church. We praise you, God, when there is disagreement over matters great and small, for it means there is life in our church. We praise you, God, when we catch a glimpse of heaven in our reconciled diversity, for it means there is hope in our church. We praise you, God, that despite what irks, disrupts, discomforts, with all the challenges wrought of authentic community, that people choose to meet here to share their faith and their lives. For this means we truly are the church. The church invited to join in prayer in the words as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the line is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Hopefully, I'm going to now show you this week's DVD. We've had a few slight technical issues. Windows 10 is not being quite so kind to me this week as it was last week, but hopefully we will get there.
It must be really hard not being a husky. <laughs> yeah, you've got everything you need built in, haven't you? I need to wear all of my special polar gear to protect me from the cold and the snow. And even though you're just a young husky, you've already got everything you need ready to go on an adventure. Yeah, well, I don't suppose you can ever be too young to start being an explorer. That's right, Blizz. And it's important to be a part of a team and have someone you can trust who can lead the way. And you're right. You're never too young to be an explorer and you're never too young to follow Jesus either. Hey, Gemma, I've got an amazing fact about snow. Okay, what's that? That every single snowflake has got exactly six sides. That's right, Blizz. Not a single one has got five or seven. No, nor any other number you can think of. They've all got exactly six. It's almost like they've been designed. Well, you know, Blizz, they have. And Christians believe that God takes great care in the whole world that he's created. He doesn't leave anything to chance. What, even snowflakes? Even snowflakes. And us. Us? <laughs> yes, God takes great care in all of us as well. Just think about it. If he can take care of a small snowflake that's here one second and gone the next, how much more care will he take in all of us? And he has plans for all of us too, no matter how young or old we are. Do you think there are any explorers in the Bible? Absolutely. And some of them started really young as well, like Timothy, for example. Is this going to be a story? Would you like it to be? Yes, please. OK, let me just finish this sandwich, ready for our adventure later. There we go. Right, I'll wash my hands and I'm ready. Timothy was always ready for an adventure. Since being a little boy, he had dreamed that one day he would travel many miles, perhaps even managing to go to the country where his father came from. To go to Greece would be so exciting. You see, his father was Greek, but his mother was Jewish. He had lots of friends as he was cheerful and fun to be with. But most of his friends had parents who were of the same nationality and background, and somehow this made him feel different. His mum and his grandmother were both friends of Jesus, and they had helped Timothy to know that God loved him from being a little boy. And now, as a young man, he was full of faith about what God was doing in his life. As he prayed each day, he knew that his faith was alive and burning like a flame within him. He wanted to make a difference in the world around him, and so was open to whatever God called him to do. Sometimes he felt that he was perhaps still too young, but others who knew his heart encouraged him to be ready for when God's voice came to him. After all, there had been many like Samuel, David and Josiah in the stories of old who had been called to serve God when they were young. So Timothy kept himself ready, praying every day and making sure his faith never grew cold. Timothy had heard about a man called Paul, or Saul as he used to be called, whose life had been changed after an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Since turning his back on the life he lived before when he tried to stop people believing in Jesus, Paul had become a great messenger for Jesus. He travelled over land and sea to let people know that Jesus was God's chosen one. And even though he had been dead, he was now alive again. With the help of the Holy Spirit, Paul was able to share the good news so well that lots of new churches were starting with those who had chosen to become friends of Jesus. Timothy listened excitedly as he heard people talking about the different places where Paul was travelling to. 
The names of towns where Paul had been were so wonderful to Timothy. Paphos and Pergam, Iconium, Derbe, Antioch and Pisidia, Pamphylia, Italia, Phoenicia and Samaria. What made it even more exciting was that Paul had even been to Lystra, where Timothy lived a few years ago, and Timothy hoped that he might come again. It seemed unlikely to Timothy that he would, though, as the last time things had gone very wrong indeed. Even though Paul had prayed for a man who had never walked and he stood up and walked, people had forced Paul from the town and <coughs> stones at him. He was badly injured, but the friends of Jesus had prayed for him and he had survived. Timothy's mother and grandmother seemed to talk about Paul like they knew him, which seemed incredible to Timothy that his own mother should know such a great explorer. It would be so exciting to meet him, to hear his tales of the sea, of different places and peoples, and of all that God was doing as he travelled around sharing the good news of Jesus. One day, as Timothy came home, he heard the news that he'd been waiting for. There was to be a meeting of the believers that evening and Paul would be there. Timothy was so excited. Apparently, Paul had decided to go back to the towns he had already visited and see those who had become friends of Jesus. And tonight, he was in Lystra. Paul must be very brave to come back here after last time, thought Timothy. The church in Lystra did not have a special building where they met, but rather gathered in someone's home. Word quickly spread around about where they would meet that evening. And Timothy was excited because the people of that house knew him very well. Perhaps they might even tell Paul about Timothy and Paul might just invite him on an adventure. He couldn't think of anything he would like to do as much as travel around telling people about Jesus. What a life it would be. But he wondered, would he be too young? Sometimes things happen much quicker than we can ever expect. And so it was for Timothy that evening. He had dreamed of going on an adventure and he had dreamed of serving God. And by the end of the meeting with Paul, he was preparing to do both. It seemed that Timothy was not too young for God to use him. And he knew the Holy Spirit would be with him for everything along the way. There were things to do to get ready. And Timothy did them all knowing that this was going to be a life-changing journey for him. He knew it might be dangerous, but he knew that God would be with them, and he was ready for anything. The first part of their journey involved lots of walking, but Timothy didn't mind. Even if it was not the big adventure he had dreamed of just yet, at least he was helping Paul tell people about Jesus. For many days, Paul and Timothy, along with another of Paul's friends, Silas, went from town to town telling people the good news. Paul found that Timothy was a hard worker and was a good companion on the road. He was cheerful and young enough to not be set in his ways. Eventually, one day, Timothy smelled the sea as they came to a sailing port called Troas. He wondered whether they would now get to board a ship and set sail for distant lands. He would go anywhere to tell people about Jesus, but a part of him really wanted to set sail over the sea. 
he was not to be disappointed. The next morning, Paul got up and told them that he had had a dream inspired by God in which a man from Macedonia had pleaded with him to come to that region and help them. Macedonia was a long way from where they were and except from a very long journey through some difficult territory, the quickest way was by sea. Timothy was getting his dream. They were on their way. Wow! So Timothy really did get his dream, even though he was really young. That's right. Nobody's ever too young to serve God, and no one's ever too young to follow Jesus. God knows every unique one of us, and he's got an adventure for each of our lives. Well, it all sounds very exciting. It is. So, are you ready? What for? Adventure! I'm ready! Come on then, let's go! (laughs) Woohoo! When I was trying to think of a suitable song to follow on from that, I'm afraid I couldn't think of anything that was uh, very recent that we hadn't already sung in the last couple of weeks. So we have got a real golden oldie, and if you're under 40, you've probably never heard it in your life. But if you're over 40, you probably sang it a lot when you were growing up. Um, So um, hopefully we'll pick it up anyway. It's on the screen, it's on the sheet. (laughs) Jesus, friend of little children, be a friend to me. to go and play and we have some play-doh and uh, tea set available make your way to the active zone in the memorial room if colouring or word searches or actually reading what the scriptures say and pondering questions is more your cup of tea make your way to the snug to the quiz zone if you would like to work with some air drying clay and make an artifact to take home it could be a plaque it could be a cross it could be anything then make your way up to the creative zone on the mezzanine. And if you want to listen 
without using your hands, because you can listen even if you are using your hands, but if you prefer to just sit and listen, then stay put where you are in the contemplative zone. Thanks, Paul. I think I was around about 15 years old and the annual Girls' Brigade District Parade in Northampton was taking place at our church. Nowadays, you'd really struggle to get a couple of hundred children and teenagers into work on a sunny weekday evening in June, if you got a sunny weekday evening in June, especially if they were wearing blazers and hats and white gloves and goodness knows what else, but this was the 1970s. I can't remember all that much about the service except that the text taken by the minister was 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. And it was the KJV in those days. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Addressing a congregation, the majority of whom were aged between 8 and 18, his message was quite clear. Don't let people look down on you or belittle you because you're young. You have a role to play in the church, whatever your age. There was nothing to disagree with there, is there? But as teenagers and young adults, our opportunities for service and influence were, well, quite limited really. I taught Sunday school, something I continued to do until I went off to train to be a minister. I was a young leader in brigade and eventually became a girls' brigade officer. At 17, I became a church member, but otherwise I was really rather passive, accepting my lot in the church where all the significant roles were the domain of people who seemed to be then quite old. Actually, Quite a few of them are probably younger than I am now, but there we go. We weren't despised because of our youth, but the opportunities we had were not exactly the same as those of Timothy. The story of Timothy, the young man who travelled with Paul, appeals to those who want to inspire children and young people, largely because he's one of the few New Testament characters who is clearly identified as being young. But we need to be a bit careful, because as far as I can work out, he wasn't a child. He's described as a young man, which means he was probably somewhere between 12, the age of Bar Mitzvah, the coming of age in those days, and around about 30, the age that Jesus began his ministry. We have to be a little bit careful that we don't make a child of him simply to suit our own purposes. If we want stories that specifically relate to children, then we might more honestly employ some of the Old Testament stories, such as that of Samuel, or the less exciting mentions of the nameless children in the Gospel, such as when Jesus just took a child and plonked it in the middle of the people and said. But even so... The story of Timothy forces us, whether we like it or not, to think about the uncomfortable and demanding question of young people and the church. 
when I was researching ideas for this reflection, I got down some prayer books I have on my shelves upstairs, aimed at children, at teenagers, and at young adults. Here are a couple from a book called More Prayers for Teenagers. I don't seem to have prayers for teenagers, I just have more prayers for teenagers. Published in 1993, that gave me a lot to think about. Lord, church didn't go too well today. I thought a church was supposed to be one big family, but ours is just a battle between young and old. Lord, please help us to understand each other. And then this one. Dear Father, bring all churches together so they may be united in your name. Help the congregation, both young and old, to be guided by you. Often the young feel unwelcome in the services. Help the older members to encourage the young so that the Christian life may continue to grow and flourish. No matter what was written to Timothy nearly 2,000 years ago or what a district chaplain preached 30 years ago, the reality is that teenagers and young adults often find church to be a sapping or frustrating experience and increasingly they vote with their feet at younger and younger ages. I'm really grateful that we do have teenagers and young adults who stick with us in this church. But this knowledge that church can be a difficult place for teenagers and young adults challenges me and others as we seek to make church a place where all are welcome, all, whatever age or stage of life they're at. One of my other little books, even older, called Who Will Listen to Me, and published in 1977, when I think I was about 14, um, I found this prayer entitled, Adults Are So Sure. It looks to me like adults have it made. They believe. They say it correctly. They know all those Bible stories, and they can tell how faith helped them. They're so sure, and that makes me uncomfortable. I'm not that sure. I have doubts. I do all kinds of things I'm not proud of. I wonder if they ever feel like me, or do they always feel faithful? Maybe I ought to ask one of them. I know because occasionally people pluck up their courage and come and see me privately to tell me so that people of all ages will find resonance in that poem. It expresses a truth that perhaps they are too embarrassed or ashamed to share. As if being grown up really should mean having everything neatly sorted and finalised. That having questions and doubts is something we ought to grow out of when often, actually, it is only as adults that the really deep questions arise. Perhaps part of the reason that children, teenagers, and young adults struggle with church is their need to be able to ask their questions honestly, to explore their ideas and name their realities. Perhaps we, who are older and greyer, never felt able to ask our own questions and by default have slid into silent collusion with the myth of the perfectly sorted Christian adult. 
Perhaps we need to recognise that each of us has unanswered questions, whatever our age or stage in life. So might it be that part of the example that young people are called to model to the believers is one of authenticity, challenging and questioning the status quo, disturbing our ease and not simply saying the things that make us feel good. Might we who are older learn from the younger generations? But lest we think it's all one-way traffic, other advice given to Timothy made it very clear that he, as a young minister, needed to be able to relate to people of all ages, showing proper respect to those in positions of authority, Treating with new dignity and courtesy those who were older in years. Thinking about the needs of widows or others who were vulnerable in need. With the language of parents and siblings, he's advised of the importance of relating to the whole community, not just those of his own age or his own opinion. Now that is a huge challenge I'm not exactly a young minister. I'm not an old minister, but I'm not a young minister. And I certainly can't claim to have it sustained. How do we live together? How do we work and serve together in ways that value and affirm people of all ages? Offering opportunities to play a part in all aspects of church life that is neither patronising at one extreme or exploiting at the other. Neither favouring one group or overlooking somebody else. Clearly, not every role is appropriate to every age. We wouldn't exactly invite the crest children to look after the church finances. Some things just don't make sense, do they? And not everyone will find their gifts and skills suited to every sphere of church life. But everyone does have something vital to contribute, whether we formally recognise it or not. One of the things in this church is we really do try to keep to a minimum those areas of church life restricted to specific groups of people. And one of the things I'm really proud of in this church is that most of our rotors, whether it's to intercede, read the Bible, arrange the flowers or make the tea, will have the names of people of all ages from around about 15, 16 on up into the 90s and everywhere in between. And that feels good to me. But I'm not complacent. I know how easy it is to slip into stereotypes or to keep approaching the same people over and over. I'm keenly aware that in seeking to affirm those who are younger, perhaps under 30 or under 20, whilst valuing the dedication and commitment of those over 60 or over 70, well, there's all those in between that could just feel that nobody cares about them. Maybe the real lesson to take away from Timothy's story is not just that no one is too young and not just that no one is too old, but actually that everyone, whatever their age, is of equal importance that everyone has his or her own unique role to fulfil, enabling the church to be the church. A church of all ages and all stages, authentic, open, 
inquiring, experimenting, getting it wrong, getting it right, falling out, falling in. But always trying to follow Jesus, living and growing in faith. Our response today, our prayer response, is going to be something called Prado. I can't move the thing on yet because there's some music on it. Sometimes praying is easy, or so people tell me. Sometimes it's hard, it's difficult, we don't know what to say, we don't even know if there is something to say. I'm always very grateful for that verse in one of the letters, and I can't remember which one, that says, the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. The reality is that for a lot of people, having something to do with their hands is quite helpful. Um, Roman Catholics use rosary beads, as in fact do Muslims use a variation on a rosary bead. And there is this idea of telling the beads. It's not just counting them. It's something to do whilst you pray to God. Some people find colouring a helpful thing to do or doodling. Others write letters to God. All of these can help focus our attention or liberate our mind to express things that our words on their own can't do. Prado is not about creating beautiful objects, though you might happen to make something that's recognisable. It's as much as anything about enjoying the feel of the dough between our fingers or about noticing how our fingers or hands feel when we work with it, because I know for some people that will be difficult if you've got stiffness or pain. But then you can bring that stiffness and pain to God as part of your prayer. And it can be about opening ourselves to God, releasing our inner child, being a little bit playful. So in the quiz zone, and I'm going to pass them around in here, we have some balls of Prado. It's just made with flour and salt, a little bit of sunflower oil and water. So hopefully nothing too nasty in there. And we're going to have about three minutes of music. And I just invite you to take a ball or a couple of balls of dough and whether you just squish it and squash it or whether you create something with it, that's up to you. But allow your thoughts to turn towards God in an act of prayer. And if you find it helpful at some point during that, it's about three minutes, you can bring your dough and place it near the cross. It should just be squished up. It doesn't have to be an object. And say, I want to offer this prayer, whatever it's for, to God.
Let's pray together. Loving God, as we bring these gifts of money, and as we offer you our prayers expressed in dough and in thought, we ask you to accept them all. And we offer ourselves to you as we are of all ages and stages in our uniqueness and in our similarity, asking that you would continue to help us to serve Jesus in this place and beyond. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 360 in the hymn book. It will also appear on the screen. Take this moment, sign and space. Take my friends around here among us. Make the place where your love is found. We stand if we can as we sing. God of all people, old or young or in between, bless us with the assurance of our inherent worth and strengthen us for the challenges of trying to follow Jesus today and always.